Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your other favorite podcasts. If you guys like what they do, leave them a five-star review. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at JT and the Don. My name is Jenna Medvig, and I am a former University of Miami cheerleader, Go Canes, and I currently work for CBS Sports HQ. But enough about me. Now let me welcome into the show the stars, JT and the Don. Fellas, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to go, JT. I don't know about you, but first, all right, we do want to welcome you to the show, Jenna. So thank you very much. And we are making history, JT, on this episode as, Jenna, you are our first moderator. So I feel honored, very honored and happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Anything is better than listening to him. So whatever (laughs) it takes to make him talk less, I'm all for. You might be saying something different by the end of this show. My laugh is quite (laughs) annoying, but we will digress. Let's, Let's move into the top of the show, college football. Uh, This past Tuesday, two of the Power Five conferences, the Big Ten and Pac-12, postponed their fall sports season, including, breaking my heart, football. Was this the right move by those conferences? Well, if you don't have a plan in place, then, yeah, it's easy. And you want to do that because you don't want to open yourself up to lawsuits. So this is an easy, quick answer. And uh, shout out to Bamani Jones because he said it best. And I quote, it's pretty simple. If I'm the university president and I don't have a hell of an answer for the question, what do we do if one of the players dies? Then my team simply can't play. And that's the, that's the answer to that question, period. And if those conferences didn't have a solid, rock solid plan in place, uh, proof, like it's proof through any liabilities, then no, they had to cancel the season. You done already? Yeah, that's it. Wow. <laughs> wait, wait, it's, Jimmy, it's an easy let answer. You, let me ask you something. So COVID has been going on for a long time. You, they had to have been thinking about this for a long time. You don't think they could have had a plan in place, or do you think it's just not appropriate to have a plan for if a player dies? No, I believe they, they didn't have a plan in place. If anything, they should have just taken notes from the professional sports. They could have created a bubble. Spring in the summertime is the perfect time to do that, especially for football. Instead, they let the kids go home. And then, you know, you have kids reporting, like the kid uh, Fairly at Virginia Tech, that, you know, when we did come back, they weren't testing us. They weren't following the safety protocols. He was in a room full of 50, 60 guys with no masks, and they're all close together. So they, they kind of shot themselves in the foot, essentially, because they could have jumped on this from the start. If they really cared about having a season, they would have put – in the protocols a long time ago and they would be able to roll, but they didn't. Well, JT, you had a quick answer, but the NCAA has had no answer. And that's where I want to go at first is where has the NCAA been and what are they doing during these difficult times to provide some sort of guidance and leadership? Like you said, these other conferences didn't have anything in place. And part of that, I think a big part of that falls on the NCAA like I understand the conferences have a lot of autonomy with with a few things but why hasn't the NCAA brought all and I mean like all of the conferences to the table whether the power five the group of five um, to the table discuss like how or if they can even have fall winter spring sports 
the safety of the players, the coaches, fans, like what protocol? So NCAA and Mark Emmert, who's the president of the NCAA, like, where are you? Where are you at? So that's I was going to ask you that same question. I haven't heard anything from Mark Emmert. Yeah. Like, like we, I want to know why he's collecting such a big paycheck. Yeah. Like, this is the literally the time you need to earn your earn your keep. I mean, we 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 bash Roger Goodell for a lot of things, but the NFL is at least saying, hey, we have this plan in place. Whether it's gonna work or not, I don't know. But so far it seems like most of the training camps have been pretty safe. So that's really what I want to know for like what has the NCAA been doing and, and really the conferences and the teams like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, just like the players, right? The players want to play, but at the same time, if I was a player, I'd be very hesitant to want to go out there and risk my health knowing we don't know what other issues can come if you contract uh, COVID-19. So stuck between a rock and a hard place there. And then, I'm, I'm not going to fault the conferences, even though I love college football and want them to play. But if they're erring on the side of caution, then I, I'm fine with that because we're talking about the health and possibly lives of young adults. Like you said, JT, what happens if a player does lose their lives, like does lose their life? It changes the whole um, outlook of, of what's going on um, in terms of this is just football at the end of the day. So, uh, JT, you had a short answer. I had a long answer. At least we had answers compared to the NCAA. Yeah, it's interesting, you guys, because now in terms of contracting COVID, do you think that college football players are safer at school or are they safer at home? And remember, these are college age kids who, yes, they're at home, but are they sitting at home? No, they're not. You know, these kids are out and about. And unless, you know, from what I've heard from the younger most of the younger generation they're the ones that are not really taking this as seriously so do but do you think that they're safer at school or at home I'm kind of curious to hear what JT says because I feel like we might disagree here but and I've heard what Trevor Lawrence has said Lewis Riddick have said that Mm -hmm. going home might expose players more with to the virus but I don't totally agree and this is why Jenna and this is why JT and Jenna let me know if if you think I'm totally off here but they're assuming, and I think JT is kind of here, the worst in people, like that these kids are going to go home and just party, right? Just have these massive, huge parties and, and do whatever. But what I want to know is how are teams going to keep players more safe, right? Like, what is the plan? Are they going to have a football-only bubble on campus? Because think about once students come back on campus, we've all been to college, right? We went to college. Once they come back on campus, the players are going to party with the rest of the student body anyway. So what is your plan? How are you going to keep it more safe at school? And then at least at home, this is the difference. And this is why I think they might be more safe at home. At least if they're at home, they can kind of limit who comes in and out of their house, who they're exposed to. When they go to campus, Yes, I may be in my dorm safe, but if JT's my teammate, he's out partying with a bunch of other players, and then we go to practice, and now I got to guard JT. Guess what? I know you ex- can't do. I'm exposing exposing myself. I'm going to ignore that comment. I'm going to expose myself <laughs> more on campus than back at home. I'm gonna let you guys agree on this, Jimmy. Go ahead, but then I'm gonna give you my two cents. Go. Ahead. You brought up. I had a feeling no matter if we didn't compare notes or not, I knew you were going to bring up Trevor Lawrence and I'm glad you did because I think everybody's, you know, all together with him on his statement that he made about, you know, like you said, the safety of 
players being at school or versus players being back home. I think his message had good intentions, but I think you got to define what you mean by the word safe. Like if you're referring safe in the way that Trevor Lawrence meant, then I think it's irrelevant because if you think players come from unsafe environments, then there's an easy fix to that. Pay them. This is a perfect time. Like you said, I agree with you. The only way that I think this can work in the players to come back is you have to create a professional bubble, but guess what? You can't have college kids acting like professionals now and not pay them. Professionals get paid. So if you feel like at home is so unsafe, pay the players. Now, but regarding COVID. Real quick, yeah. JT, how do you create that? See, that's the thing. How do you create well, that bubble in well, college? Because they have to go to class. Well, here's the thing. I mean, they might have to Virtual make class that, make that They might have to make that student, part of the student athlete, a little bit more solid than it usually is. Um, for COVID, I think that the school is absolutely the safer place because it's a controlled environment. So what they're going to have to do is, like you said, create a bubble for each team. Now, where I worry about it is, I think for practice and training purposes, I think this could be done. But it's when those teams actually go to play other schools that I worry about because let's just take the SEC, for example. What's that, 12 schools? You're assuming that every player – in every program in the SEC is following the rules. Because if one player messes up, it's all over. Like somebody can contract it and then it's like wildfire. So I think that they are going to have to really figure it out. They're going to have to commit to this. And as much as I know I'm going to get bashed for this, they're going to really have to put school second and athletics first if they really want to make this work. They're going to have to stop calling them student athletes and just do what they really are, athletes. And if they're athletes, act like it and turn this into a professional thing and they have to isolate them from everybody else in the school. That's the only way it works. Jimmy, you surprised me. So you think that they are safer at school than back at home? Oh, absolutely. COVID. Just you look, surprised me on that. Yeah, just look at what the kid at Virginia Tech said. He's like, guys, we're going, you know, kids are going to go home and party. For sure. For and, sure. and from the perspective of a, a former student athlete, because I was an athlete and I had two a days and community events and obviously community and events aren't happening now, but like a lot of the practice and structure kept me from going out and doing other things that other college kids had the opportunity to do every night. I mean, you know, college kids are out every night of the week. It's not like they just go out on the weekends either, but as a student athlete, I didn't have the time to go do that. And some, some kids even work too. So I just, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think uh, school is a little bit safer than home and you're going to have contact with people regardless, but you're right. School to me is a little bit more controlled. Um, but that being said, do you guys think that uh, considering college football for the spring is a good idea? Do you think a spring season would, would work? What are the pros? What are the cons? What do you, what do you think? <laughs> this is a joke. <laughs> There's there's no no way that you can consider pushing the football back to the spring because there's no way you can have student athletes, especially at the college level, playing multiple seasons within the same calendar year. Like there's just two unless you're if you're going to pay them, that's different. But if there's no way they're going to do that for free. So I see some major problems with pushing it back to the spring because it's just going to mess up the cycle for fall sports for a while. And the only way to get it right, like I said, is you're making them play twice in the same year. You got to pay them. And until they do that, I don't see any resolution with that situation.
we got to take 2020 as a wash. Donato, what do you think? I think JT wants the players to get paid. I mean, that's like the second time he's already brought. <laughs> Are you representing somebody on this show? I, I mean... wish I was because I'd be making a lot more money than I am messing with you. But no, but, you, but to be honest with you, the reason I keep bringing up paying the players is people have been fighting about this for so long. And it's so unique that it's come down to this situation. What COVID has done is essentially stripped away the facade that we know has been there about student athletes and you know why they go to universities for sports has nothing to do with school it's all about money everybody knows that so this is going to show what is what it's really about because if it was really about education it wouldn't be a big of a deal they would have canceled the season and been like you know what right. it's all about player safety these kids are here to get an education Student first, athlete second. They're trying to bend every rule in the book to get this season played. So to all the people that ate up that lie before about the student athlete and they're getting a free scholarship and education, that's out the window. It's about money. And those kids put butts in the seats and money in people's pockets. So guess what? It's on Front Street. You have to share. Yeah, it's always been about the money. Um, don't be fooled. And JT, at the very least, they have to have some sort of representation when it comes to the safety and health and the protocols. Um, but they still don't have that. Like they have to form their own group, basically. Um, but Jenna, to answer your question, it, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. It feels as forced as some of the conferences trying to play this fall. Like if they try to do it in the spring, because like you said, there's Let's go through – I mean, you can go through the list of the winter and spring sports, starting with March Madness. Um, and then you've got baseball. Like, it's just so many things going on at that time. Super Bowl, NFL playoffs. Like, to me, it just would feel forced because then you have to look at the flip side of the actual – for the actual players. You've got football stars that are getting ready for the combine and draft. They're not going to want to play because if they get injured at that point, Two, three months is not enough time for them to get back ready for the NFL. They'll probably slide way down in the draft. Um, and then you've got also other, not just the draft eligible players, they need rest and that, because then they're going straight into NFL team activity. So again, even if they play the season in the stars or it's the players that are expected to get drafted play, there's not enough rest for them between the end of the college football season and the NFL. And again, it goes back to their health. What are you trying to do to them? You're, you're forcing them to play so that you can make money and generate revenue. And again, I want football as much as anybody, but it goes back to the safety of the players and playing in the spring. I just don't see how that's much more healthy. So if you're going to play and you play in the fall, I still think, you don't need to have like a college football playoff. You can just have conference games, play the conference title game. And for that year, your whole season is being a, about being a conference champion. So but you can't, you can't get kids to buy into that because every kid's going out there putting their health but, and time on the line to win a national title. No, no, no. JT, you will have on, so many on, kids opt out of just being a conference but, championship. Like if you're hold, playing in no, the, no, no, the whack, I, nobody cares if you don't have a chance to go play for a national title. But, JT, when's the last time a whack team's made the playoffs? That, that's the they whole point they don't, they're missing. But they don't go out that's there the every season point. with that thought process of, yes, they oh, do. we can't. Oh, come on. If you so go if you as, go undefeated, big, you're always going to think you have a shot. As big of competitors as we are, we know 
if we played for the universe, if we played for Vanderbilt, or if we played for Hawaii, we know we're not going to the championship game. But what we can do is go to the conference championship game out of our division. Oh, can't can't wait to be the MAC champion. But here's the thing: but JT, I disagree. Be realistic. If you I played disagree. on Hawaii's team or you played on Fresno State, you really think you're going to the national title game against Clemson? Yes, you may think you're really good and competitive, but you have to be realistic. If someone said, "Hey, we're still playing for a conference championship," my competitive nature is: let's go win the conference championship. Let's win the game in front of us. Don't worry about the national title. Two things. I tell you what. I would definitely not accept the scholarship offer from you if you were my coach, because exactly what you're going to tell me. You came to this small ass school, and that's not the we're, coach. We're not, we're, I understand. We don't really have a shot to win it all, but I hey, understand. We're going to work really hard for that conference Hold championship. On. Let, let me let me jump in. I understand. You want to change the, your pamphlet information before I decide on your no, university? I understand the coach's mentality is, hey, the goal is the national championship. What I'm saying is the actual player on the team. You're telling me all 90 kids that go to Fresno State go to win a national championship at Fresno State? No, they go because that's who offered them a scholarship. And that's where they can probably play way more than playing at UCLA or USC on the West Coast. I get you, but I feel like... That's no, what I no, meant. That's no, what yeah, I meant. Okay, the no football team starts out like, well, national championships already out the picture, so what next? Like, no, they don't think like that. But here's the thing, and then we'll just move on to the next one. If there ever was a time where a team like a Fresno State or a Vanderbilt had a shot to win a national championship, it's 2020 because everything's, you know, out of whack. It's off schedule. People or players are out of their routine. So everyone is kind of getting closer to equal footing. So if I were a player at a not so great school, this is the year I want to play because this is my chance to possibly make that crazy run and just get into the college football playoffs. So. I disagree with you on that. Well, I'm going to – sorry, Jen. I got to say one more thing to, to JT. JT, that's where I'm going to disagree because then even if a Fresno State wins and you don't have the, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 playing, you know what they're going to say? It doesn't count. So there's no need to have a national championship. In the words of Dabo Sweeney, we don't need them. Winning is winning. Who cares? Well – it's different when Clemson's beating up on the Miamis and the UNC and the Virginia Techs of the world and not having to play Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Alabama. Big difference. Sorry. Sorry, uh, Dabo Sweeney. Listen, low-key, low-key, if the Miami Hurricanes win a national championship the year of COVID, I'm never mentioning COVID again. It never <laughs> happened. And we won another championship. Never going to hear it from me. But you know what I was thinking while you guys were talking about this? The, the extent of COVID has lasted so much longer than we originally thought. And we didn't think we were still going to be sitting here talking about this during college football season who's to say that we're going to have a vaccine in the next couple of months? Maybe spring wouldn't even be an option because we don't know when that's going to happen, when it's going to be safe. And it's just too much on the line. There's too many logistics involved. I agree with both what you guys are saying. It's, it's really too much, in my opinion, to try to push it to spring. But let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, let's go to the NBA bubble. There have already been a lot of great moments from the NBA bubble, a lot of exciting games, head-to-head -head battles. But maybe no better moment than Damian Lillard, Dame time, dropping 61 points this past Tuesday night on the Dallas Mavericks. However, Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns may be the best story going in the bubble, and TJ Warren has also made his presence felt. 
So guys, which player, Dame, Booker, or TJ Warren, has been the most impressive in the bubble? This one's easy. Devin Booker. I knew you were going to go, Book. <laughs> Listen to these stats. They are... Hold on, Tom. Before you get into the stats, can we just both say that we're not picking TJ Warren? Is that like a automatically understood? Cool. Thank you. He's Honorable out. consideration, though. Not TJ even. Warren. He shouldn't even be in the. What? <laughs> are you kidding me? I'll Listen. tell you my thought process behind that, but he's balled out, but to put him anywhere close to these two is ridiculous. I don't even want to hear it. And plus, I'm a Heat fan, so TJ Warren's always going to be strong. We have to have a top three, Jimmy. Let him squeeze into the top three. I mean, now, dude okay. did score 53 points and had multiple 30 point games. He but according to JT, points. it doesn't matter. It he doesn't scored matter. 54 points without any fans. He's never done that outside the bubble, but that's a different conversation. But go ahead. Hey, JT, then go tell Damian Lillard. Oh, his he's, been, he's 51, been doing it all year. His 51 and 61 don't matter. He only, because it, there were no fans. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, because anyway. Dame, Damian Lillard hasn't been doing it all year outside the bubble, but go ahead. But he's I'm not, been I'm not, playing in the league way longer than T.J. Warren. Do you want to give T.J. Warren a book, break? Book, right? Go ahead, Booker. Tell me why. The question was most impressive in the bubble, not over a career. See, Jenna, this is what you got to learn about J.T. He doesn't always listen to the question. Fair point. But anyway, mm -hmm. I'm point. going Devin Booker. They are, J.T., 8-0 since they started in the bubble. 27 points, 30, 35, 20 with 10 assists, 35, 35, 35. I don't even know what he did in his last game, which was today. But listen, he has carried that team. The reason why it's not Damian Lillard, he has a lot of help. He had Nurkic come back. He's still got yeah. C.J. McCollum. He's got Gary Trent Jr., probably the sixth man, the best sixth man in the, in bubble. the bubble, right? So Devin and he got Mello playing out of his mind. Exactly. Mello's playing as good as he has played in years. So that's why it's Devin Booker, in my opinion. He's filling up uh, the stat sheet. But also, Phoenix is only going about eight players deep. Ricky Rubio's not a scorer. DeAndre Aiden really hasn't been, hasn't been crushing it in the bubble. But Devin Booker is the reason why Phoenix is 8-0. Most impressive by far. It's tough. And I feel – I'm only picking this because I felt like you were going to go Booker because I know you like him. To me, it's it's Dame. And the only, and I'll, I will fight back on your point about the help that they have on the Blazers. I agree with you. That's a deep team, and we've talked about that off air. But Phoenix has a nice squad, too. Like, let's not get it confused. Yeah, Aiden's not playing great, but you know how good he is. They have a squad. Oubre, I think Ricky Rubio being on that team is a good fit. You know, they have some nice young pieces, but I don't think they're as I don't think they're as good as the Blazers, but I don't think they're as bad as when you think of the Phoenix Suns that they are. So just put that up there. But it, I think it's just Dame because I think there's – Booker is doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. You rattle off the stats, and they're 8-0, and, and that's ridiculous. I did not expect that. I think Vegas didn't even expect that either. But I almost feel like Booker's doing this with no pressure on him and Damian Lillard is doing this because one, there's a lot of people looking at him because the Blazers are people think they should be really good, but they're not as good as like those top three Western conference teams. And then I don't, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. I feel like the players don't really like Dame Lillard as much. So when they play him, they go at him in a different way. Like they're always antagonizing him. Like, 
like how much was how much are you hated that like Patrick Beverly is like on the sideline doing antics because you missed the free throw? Like Pat Bev don't do nothing. Like I it's think that just lets you sent, it's because he sent him home like six yeah, years ago. But then, You'd be I, salty about it too. I would too, but like if I was Pat Beverly, I would know my rule. Like I can't say nothing to Dame Lillard, but that just goes to the point. Like I feel like the other guys know he's like legit competition and they go at him harder because they don't want to see him any longer than they have to, where it's like, yeah, Booker's putting up nice stats, but they know when it comes crunch time, like, oh, we ain't really got to worry about them. So I just think what, what Lillard's doing is a little bit more impressive. I mean, he's got the numbers, like he's averaging what, like 37 a game. He's played 40 plus minutes in every game in the bubble. So he's doing the work like Booker is, but he's still a one man wrecking crew with a big target on his back. And he's like, he's just balling out of control. So I think his degree of difficulty is a little higher. Well, anyway, I mean, you guys were talking a lot about the help that Damian Lillard has, but that being said, do you think he is underrated and he should be an MVP candidate? Well, I mean, be, before two days ago, he, he was probably underrated, but not anymore. Um, I don't think he's underrated. I think it's more of kind of what I was uh, talking about before. I just think that he is, he's one of those guys just determined to do it by himself. Like he's already going on record and say, you know, I don't want to be a part of a super team. Like he feels like, you know, they get the right guys in there. They can win. Um, he's all, he's done this all season. So, I mean, it's not like people don't know that Damon Lillard can, can't light you up at any moment. So I don't think he's underrated um, MVP candidate. Why are we talking about the bubble? <laughs> Maybe. But for the year, I don't know. Because as, as good as he's been, that team is obviously underachieved if they're as deep as Donato says they are. So I really can't say he should be an MVP candidate. Because I feel like in the NBA, usually the MVP goes to, like, the best player on, like, the best team, right? Don? I mean, it de depends. A lot of people define it different. But usually, you're right. Yes, usually. Yeah. So if he was like a two seed in doing this, then like, yeah, I would say he was, he's a legit MVP candidate, but the fact that he's not, then how is he any better than Devin Booker? Like you wouldn't say book is an MVP candidate, right? Right. All right. So. Uh, this is, this is one of those topics. This is a JT topic, isn't it? That means because he can't answer it. <laughs> no, Jenna, you know what That's it means? What he says. It means it didn't need to be asked because it's so dramatic. Like, is he underrated? Of course not. The dude leads off. He has led off Sports Center every night of the week for like the past two weeks. How is that being underrated? It doesn't exist. Like, why is that word in the same but you sentence? Don't, but as you don't Damian hear people Lillard? talk about him when they talk about like the best, okay. like that you know upper what? echelon of players in the NBA. Okay. You know why? Because he plays, and this is no offense. I, I, I like the Portland Trailblazers, but he plays in Portland. If he was with the Lakers or if he was in Philly, on the East Coast, they'd be comparing him. They'd be, they'd be Giannis is in Milwaukee. Your that point? is still my whole point is that Milwaukee's a top-seeded team. That's what I'm saying. He's in Portland and on the West Coast. Milwaukee games, we can watch a whole game before going to bed. Half of well, the East can, Coast sure. You'll be is, asleep by halftime. Ha half of the East Coast is sleeping before Portland even tips off. Now, if Damian Lillard was with the Sixers in Philly on the East Coast, they'd be comparing him to Iverson. So, no, he's not over. So, let me, let me ask you a question. Underrated. So, if Damian Lillard was doing the same thing, but he played on the Knicks, he'd be an MVP candidate, in your opinion? I don't know. 
I don't know if he would be an MVP candidate because it would depend on how good the Knicks are too. But I will say, I will say this, he's not underrated, but you just don't maybe see him as much because he's in Portland on the West coast. They just, their games are on later. It doesn't mean he's underrated. Lakers. I mean, (laughs) but that's because it's the Lakers. It's an LA team. They're always on. They're on even when they're not good. I feel like everybody knows who their players are. No, they don't. No, they don't. People know who Damian Lillard is. What I'm saying is he may just not get quite the hype, but he's still not underrated. I think so, part of the reason we're probably asking this question is – and Because you brought it up. He, you wanted to ask it. You could have turned it down, but you didn't. So I think part of the reason why he doesn't get the hype is – like goes back to what I, said, what I said before. I just think the players don't like him. And I think when players don't like personally like you, you're just not going to get that shine. Like It's like Kobe almost in a way. I'm not saying he's Kobe, but like – I felt like players, if you ask them, they didn't really like Kobe, but you had to respect him because he was whooping you every year. And I think that's why, like, Kobe didn't get as many MVPs as he should have is because they're like, ah, oh, we really don't like Kobe. He wins. He, he's doing good anyway. We don't need to, like, really, like, give him any shine. And it's because I don't think Dane kisses any ass. And I think that's probably why he doesn't get as much shine because he's not getting, like, hyped up by other guys in the league as much as the other ones. That's that's possibly a good point. I still think players respect him, and that is a huge key, though. Oh, you got but to. He's dropping to, 60 on you. <laughs> to, to go back to the MVP uh, discussion, nah. I mean, I've got at least five guys in front of him, so yeah, I agree with you, you there, be. JT. If you're not winning games, you can't be. I agree. All right, guys. Well, real quick, who is on your NBA all-bubble team? It ain't TJ Warren, I'll tell you that. See, the the disrespect. All right, I'm going to go real quick. Devin Booker, Luka Doncic. I'm going to go Dame. And then these two, I know JT's not going to agree. You got to go TJ Warren. If you keep him off, you're basically discrediting everything that's being done in the bubble. So TJ Warren. And then number five, I'm going to go Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I knew you were. And I said, I'm going to put him in there anyway. So our lists are really similar. I got Book, Lillard. I got Michael Porter Jr., Luca, And I just put Anthony Davis on there instead of uh, TJ Warren. Okay. I, I can I can respect that, though. He's the MVP candidate that people aren't talking about. But because LeBron. Can we, hold on, can we Can we just – I want to give you props. And this, this might never happen again. So we definitely glad Uh-oh. this is recorded. I know you had a and I have a witness and I have a witness here to see it. Yes, you you have you have been enamored with Michael Porter Jr. I feel like for the past like three years. So how does it feel to finally see this come to fruition? It just proves I'm a basketball genius. Okay, (laughs) Donato had faith. He had faith. I know talent when I see it. Well, you were nervous when he slid on draft night. <laughs> Literally watching it like, what are they doing? Oh, my God. All right, guys. Thursday, we're moving on. Thursday was payday for tight ends in the NFL. George Kittle of the 49ers signed a five-year, $75 million extension with an $18 million signing bonus. That's $30 million guaranteed from day one and a potential of $40 million guaranteed overall. Now, Travis Kelsey later extended his contract with the Chiefs for four more years worth $57 million. So who, boys, is worth or more worth the extension they received? Can we, before we even answer this, 
I, I want to know who is the accountant for the Chiefs because that dude is the man. How much he's money cooking, they got? He's cooking the books. How's he how keeping them under the cap? They got some mafia money somewhere. This don't make no sense. Like, hey, you why you got to talk about? Why you got to talk about my people like that? I didn't point no fingers. But you I'm said just saying, like, how we you, know what you meant. <laughs> they're the only people that they're the only team that can sign somebody for five hundred million and then lock up all the other superstars and still, you know, not be over the cap. So, damn, I don't know who that dude is. I'm trying to go play. I'm trying to go play for the Chiefs. They right can now. afford you. Trust me. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's tough though. And uh, shout out to both of these guys for getting paid. They're both monsters. Uh, it's hard because. Really, they're used differently, and they're, like, totally different players. I guess I'm going Kittle a little bit because he's a more complete p- player. He's He can block. He's probably one of the top blockers at any position in the league. And then I was reading the other day that he's, what, second in the NFL in yards after contact by any player over the past two seasons. So he's fast. He's physical. He's complete. He does it all. But I just don't want to, you know, making it seem like I'm ignoring what Kelsey's done because the guys have, what, four straight seasons of 80-plus catches and over 1,000 yards. Like, that's not easy to do. But I'm giving the edge to Kittle because I just think that he is the closest that we've seen to Gronk, and that's a complete tight end. So I think he's worth the money more, rather where Kelsey is more of closer to, like, a Tony Gonzalez type. But – um. They both deserve to get paid, but it's Kittle. So strictly to the question on who's worth it more, I'm going to go Kelsey just because of what he's done in his career. So that's why he's worth it. He's got the ring, and he really was that whole offense before Tyreek and Mahomes got there. But, JT, I don't like either contract for the teams, but if I had to pick one of the teams – that had to sign one of these guys to these particular contracts, I would sign Kittle um, to the contract because I don't know why the Chiefs did this. Travis Kelsey is already 31 years old. Mm -hmm. He still has two years left on his current five-year deal. So when this extension that Jenna mentioned, the four years, 57 million, when it kicks in, it kicks in two years from now, he's 33. So he's – and he's a tight end. You know that position – I don't want to pay my running backs or tight ends if I don't have to, especially this far down the road when they're already in their 30s. That's, that is a disaster. You talk about the Chiefs doing a great job with their cap. They're going to feel it later on when they need that money to sign guys again that come back up, Tyreek Hill and you know maybe Mitchell Schwartz again, and if they get some of the defensive players. Um, I – I don't know why they did it. They could have franchise tagged him in two years if he's still putting up the numbers because by the time his extension hits and he's 34, 35, which is right in the middle of the extension, I don't believe his production is going to be worth what they're paying him. So in two years from now, if he's still in that 1,200 to 1,300 yards a season, eight or nine touchdown range, you don't think he's going to be worth it? But my thing is that's he can when, still do it. Yes, but that's when his extension kicks in and he's already 33. So do you think he can do what he's been doing another four years? Because be on- if he does it the next two, then he still has four more years after that. To be honest with you, I think he can. And just because I think he's one of those physical freaks. And other than that first year he missed in the league with the knee injury, he really hasn't missed that much time. And I don't know, you tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like when him being in the Chiefs offense, well, you were right, because that 
before really Tyreek came along, he was their whole offense. And I think the fact that they have so many weapons, they don't have to lean on him as much. So like his production is more efficient, but also people can't, you know, really target on him, which I feel like if they go to you more, that means more people are hitting you, you're getting hurt more often. So I feel like the offense is so talented and it's so wide open. It kind of extends the health of a lot of guys in the offense because they're not going to get as many touches. So I think that's probably the one saving grace that he's in a good offense with a great quarterback and they'll be blowing a lot of people out according to you. Cause Mahomes is the best player ever. So he won't even be playing the second half of most games. So I still think he can do it. Cause I feel like if Gronk was healthy, he could do it too. I mean, he's still playing now, but some guys can just do it that long. And I think he's one of them. Well, we don't know his specific uh, terms of the contract either in terms of guarantee and signing bonus, because, you know, if there's not a lot of guarantee and signing bonus, then it's a good deal. But if there's half of it is is guaranteed, I don't like that deal. I will say this, though. You brought up a really good point. And I was trying to find this all day and nobody was really reporting it. Because, you know, anytime we talk about this, what's the one thing we ask? Signing how much? Bonus. How much did they get when they signed the papers? Right. And I couldn't find anywhere how much he was getting. Because Kelsey's number at signing was everywhere. I mean, uh, Kittle's number was everywhere but I couldn't find one for Kelsey. So that leads me to believe that it might be either really low or maybe they haven't officially ironed it out yet. All right. So Jenna, we've been on the hot seat long enough. So now it's our turn to ask our esteemed guest and moderator some questions. So all three of us here are huge Miami Hurricane fans. So we want to know from you, what is your best or favorite Miami Hurricanes memory? So you guys know I don't have the best memory, but my favorite memories of all time all have to do with being at school, cheering for the Canes. And I would say my favorite memory is not necessarily specific to one game, but I remember walking out onto the field to cheer my first game at a pro stadium. And I know people drag the Canes for having, you know, not having their own stadium. But to me, that was so cool. Like an NFL team plays there. And I think that's what a lot of the players feel too. I think it, you know, goes untalked about like how massive that is. It's, we are the pipeline to the pros. You know, a lot of our guys go straight to the NFL and I think they they start that from even the very beginning when you walk onto the field, you're inside a pro stadium. We're playing where the Miami Dolphins play. Um, the cheerleader in, the cheerleaders locker room uh, was the coach's locker room. Like it was really, really neat. Um, so I think just going out there and being able to experience um, just that massive type of opportunity and to see people in the stands and you guys know as well as I do it's not that we sell out every game but still the experience is just it's you know one of a kind I thought it was really really neat to be able to do that I still remember going to my first Canes game back in 2009 you remember awesome. the and tailgate was, do you remember the tailgate of course it took it took I'll never forget had a law school evening class that went like 3.30 to 5.30 on a Thursday night. And it took two, a little over two hours to go from Coral Gables up to, at the time, Landshark Stadium. Yep. Brutal drive, but worth it all the time. So you mentioned the stadium, Jenna, is currently 
Hard Rock Stadium your the best, your favorite stadium? Because we know you've been to a lot. Or do you have a a, a a different favorite one? I hate to say that it's not necessarily my favorite. I d- the first listen. The first experience there was amazing, incredible. I will. That's something with my bad memory that I could never forget. <laughs> But I do work for CBS Sports and we do carry SEC college football games. And I there were a couple years where I had to go to two stadiums every week and we covered, you know, all of the all of the schools. And I loved going to Tuscaloosa. Um, I love Texas A&M. So, so cool. But my favorite isn't even in the SEC. <laughs> I got the chance to go to a Michigan, Michigan State game at the big house. And that by far was the best stadium I've ever, 115,000 fans. I mean, deafening, like deafening noise, Um, the atmosphere, indescribable. It was just so, so neat. And granted, it was during a Canes football game and I was carrying an iPad with me on the sidelines at the big house watching the Miami Hurricanes football game (laughs) while I was standing in this incredible atmosphere and everyone was super focused on the game that was happening right in front of us. And I had my eyes like glued to the iPad trying to figure out what was going on with the Miami Hurricanes. True fan, okay? True fan. That's a a true Canes fan. (laughs) True Canes fan. What about you guys? What are your uh, favorite stadiums? Mine? Um, whew, good question. I am partial to Hard Rock Stadium. It's the home, hometown team stadium, right? You, but you, do, here's the thing. Do you wish that we had our own stadium or are you content with Hard Rock? I think, listen, when it's sold out, to me, no better environment than Hard Rock Stadium for a Canes game. Um, I wish they still had the Orange Bowl, but we know kids weren't coming to, to play there anymore. Um, but I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I think why it's one of the best stadiums to me, there's not a bad seat in the house. And you cannot say that. I've been to Knoxville where the volunteers play. Ooh, that's another good stadium, though. Love you. Yeah, but, like, it depends where you sit. Like, we get spoiled being Miami. See, you've got you've got the the guest pass on the sidelines. Jimmy and I, we got to buy regular tickets. Yeah, we don't have that. We're, we're, we're crunched in those little bleacher seats. There's no back to the bleacher. The bleacher's okay, metal. It's, yep. So, but Hard Rock has a back. It's an actual chair. You have your Very own seat. Very true. Underrated. Like, it, and even if you're upstairs, not a bad seat. You're still close enough. Um, we have a and, club in our stadium. Live nightclub in our stadium. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. So Miami. <laughs> and when it's sold out, when it's sold out, you saw it for the Notre Dame game, Florida State. There's no better. You can say all you want about all the college stadiums. I hear you with 115,000. But there's something about that Miami night in that Miami heat when the Canes are playing like they used to, which doesn't happen often. We, we can hope for next year. Jimmy, uh, do, you, do you like hard rock or do you feel like the Canes need their own? See, now my thing, just to jut in real quick, my thing is I do wish it was closer to campus. But, yes. you know, yeah. uh, what are your thoughts, Jimmy? I agree with 
uh, everything that Don said. It is a unique venue, and you know, you really don't have a bad seat in the house for any sporting event. But it's great to, you know, when it, it's so hot down here that you do have a stadium like that. I think the only reason it gets disrespected is is there's just something about having a stadium on campus for just you know convenience that people really like because I went to UCF so we had the same situation where our games were you know 30 minutes away downtown and that meant people weren't going but once they got a stadium on campus their fan base grew so huge where like every game sold out for the past five six seven years so as far as the stadium I agree with him but it's just something about having your own stadium on campus is just different but I know I know you work for CBS and I'm pretty sure you've come across a lot of interesting personalities and athletes. I want to know from you who is the biggest star that you've worked with during your time at CBS Sports or who is the the biggest star that you've coordinated to get on the show? Okay, so I have run across so many different interesting personalities. Um Everyone from Antonio Brown to Josh Norman. Uh, I've worked with Von Miller. Um, there are Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, all, pretty much all of the people that we've named in the show today. Um, Super Bowl is actually, you know, obviously the biggest event of the year, but a lot of people don't know about Radio Row. And Radio Row is the week leading up to Super Bowl. Everyone comes and does media interviews. And it's always in a big convention center and every network sets up their own table or their own little studio. And the athletes are either repping brands or maybe they are representing their um, charities or just anything they wanna promote. Some are just there representing themselves. But a lot of the coordination that I do is coordinating these interviews for these guys. And it's stacked like back-to-back interviews from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day and everyone's got like five minutes so you can imagine there are a ton of personalities that come through um Dak Prescott was you know one of our bigger ones that we had this year um Patrick Mahomes we just had so many cool people that we've worked with and and most of them are very pleasant to work with I think that's like another interesting thing is you don't come across too many difficult personalities, I would say. Most of them are are pretty, you know, and that being said, we're not dragging them there for a two-hour interview. It's a, it's a five-minute interview. Um, but a lot of definitely interesting people and, and uh, fun personalities. We've had the Bosa brothers. They're always very nice and very fun to work with. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a favorite person that I've worked with, but... I don't want to call anybody out. I think uh, we did. Yeah, we don't want you to. We don't want you to get in trouble. No, I will say we've we've done some bigger productions. Uh, we did a big Levi's commercial production with Von Miller, and so we spent the day with him, and he was just awesome to work with. Very nice guy, friendly, and you know, a lot of a lot of guys I will say have that star quality to them, where you know they're a little bit less down to earth, but. Fun was very down to earth, which was nice. Um, I love meeting people like that who are just so chill and very easy to work with. And usually I would say that they're, they're like that though. I would say. Nice. Nice. Shout out to Von Miller. Well, you 
obviously get to do a, a lot of very really fun things within the sports world. Uh, Super Bowl, you already mentioned. Uh, something that Don continuously gets on me that he would like to go to. But since you are an We got to get on Media Row, JT. We got to get on Media Row one of these days. You know what? They do, they do have guest passes to Media Row um, or Radio Row, which I just feel like a lot of people don't know about Radio Row. And I'm not sure why, but I'm in, you know, I'm in the business. But I feel like a lot of the public doesn't really always necessarily know about uh, Radio Row. But it's really fun. Very interesting. Tons of people there. That means it's on you going forward. You got we'll the get answer. There. We'll get there one day. You just wear your best suit. All right, guys. Cool. I'm worried. I'm I'm okay. worried about this year because 2020 Radio Row. I that's not going to happen. A convention center full of people with back to back guests and bodyguards and posse's and everyone walking around. And you know, last year, I mean, the Backstreet Boys were there. It's like it's not just. Oh, they definitely want to see them. Yeah, celebrities. So I'm worried that that's not even going to happen. Man, you missed the Bass Street Boys last year. <laughs> Broke his heart. <laughs> but but Super Bowl, no the, actu the actual game, us commoners that never get to experience that, just tell us, like, what's it like being at the actual game? So I would say, um, so I've been to four. And I would say that it is a lot better when it's your team. It's still very cool. Don't get me wrong. But there, I just, to see all the fans there. And if, if you're a part of that, it just is so much bigger. You know, it's very cool to be at a Super Bowl and see those top players in the game. Um, but see the terrible towels waving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoever you may be a fan of, <laughs> but, um, it's definitely different. I mean, every person there is for, you know, a certain team and they've gone through the entire season. It's just a different type of energy. You know, they've been rooting all season for their team and it's like, this is their last hope to finally win it all. And it's different from like a regular season game or a playoff game. Um, it's just on such a bigger magnitude. And they usually have good food and all the concession stands have like special specialty um, snacks. I'll, my favorite snack that I ever got was in Minnesota when they hosted the Super Bowl uh, a couple years ago. And they had this like waffle cone ice cream, but it was like marshmallows and sprinkles and whipped cream oh don't tell like him that mountain of <laughs> diabetes and it was just it was so good but they always try to you know do certain snacks that are related to you know the, the home city and i think that's another thing that um if you haven't been to a super bowl or your city hasn't hosted a Super Bowl, you might not be aware of, is that there are so many cool events and concerts and different mm -hmm. activities that you can go to. You can usually walk around downtown. There's the NFL experience. Um, they they have, still do that? They still and do that, I remember yeah. going to that as a kid when yeah. the Super Bowl came to Miami, the NFL experience. That was such a cool event. Yeah, and it's even a bigger magnitude now because you know every year they try to outdo the past host. and. I mentioned Minnesota because I think they really tried to outdo themselves because they knew it was negative two degrees and everyone was like, why are we doing a Super Bowl in Minnesota? It's so cold. It's horrible. So their hospitality was amazing. They, for media, they shut down the Mall of America amusement park one night and they just let media inside. The rides were still running, but like they shut it down for the public. 
And they were just really hospitable to not just the media, also the public, but there were so many fun events and things to do. And um, so it was, it was very interesting to see what Miami did, you know, last year, um, because Miami's already such a lively city. I was interested to see, you know, how Super Bowl was going to be. And we always work so hard during Super Bowl. You, you don't always make it out to everything because it's those back-to-back -back radio row days. It's all day interview. And then when you think about it, you have to set up the production too and take it down. And it's just a, it's a crazy, crazy week. And I love it every year. Um, I've digressed from the actual game itself, but, <laughs> but it's encompassed. And I think that's another thing though. It's, it's like you work so hard all that week or all through the season or all that year. And the Super Bowl is like your release and everyone there is feeling that. Everyone's like, this is the big celebration. And it's just, it is definitely something to experience for sure. But better experience when your team is in the Super Bowl, I will say. Definitely. So Jenna, JT's Dolphins hosts <laughs> Super Bowls, and I like to say my Steelers play in them. So thank you, JT. <laughs> thank you. We've won two in two in the city of Miami back great. in the old back in the uh old Orange Bowl. Yeah, and your creepy fans have been hanging around ever since. <laughs> well, you guys, I grew up, I grew up a Washington. Well, now I guess I should say Washington football fan. Football team. I yes. caught myself. I caught, and that's hard because I grew up in in Virginia, and I'm not used to saying that. And I, I mean, they definitely did the the right thing, and I'm glad they did. It's just like out of habit, you know. But uh, I grew up a Washington football fan, and they, since I've been watching them, have not been close. So <laughs> and they won't be <laughs> every year. I hope I have faith. We can only hope, you know, things might. And you know what? COVID, I'm looking at COVID as a reset for everything. Everyone's starting from zero in 2021, right? No? Yes. 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 <laughs> I'm yes. hoping that this is the detox year for everything negative. <laughs> Everyone can't win, but I'm hoping the, the teams that needed that little extra oh, got it with, you know, the precautions we're taking this year from this pandemic. So. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully we'll see. everyone comes exactly. back. Hopefully everyone comes back better and more appreciative of things. Very much. So Jenna, one thing we do on this show is trivia time. I cannot let an episode go without <laughs> trivia time. So Jenna, I, you know, you take guesses if well, you want. Well, you know what? You don't need me. I'm going to just walk off no, set. No, so no, you no. Can, you can ask stay me on the set. What is this, stay on the what set. Is this trivia game you guys are throwing right. at me? So, it, it's it's all sports related, I must say, and I can't pass up an opportunity as things come up. So if you want to take a guess, this go is ahead. a Donato question. Wait, can it be like a multiple choice? Does this have to be a just out pull it out of the air trivia? Yeah, it's more pull it out of the air. Don't feel like you have to chime in, but don't feel the who pressure. Knows? All right, let's, maybe let's maybe maybe you'll maybe you'll know them. Listen, you can't do any worse than JT. I guarantee. All right, all right. guarantee it. All right, so let's go. Let's start with basketball. JT loves basketball. He thinks he knows everything about basketball, fantasy basketball. So Giannis has a shot at MVP and defensive player of the year and would become just third, the third player ever to do that in the same season. JT and Jenna and or Jenna, who are the other two? I'm thinking Will or Kareem has got to be one of them. I'm, I'm going to say I'm definitely, I think Wilt as well, but I, that's the only one that I 
I can think of. JT, you're going Wilt and Kareem? I said they, they got to be one of them. The One of those two got to be on that well, list. Well, you got to name two. It says, what are the other two? All right, then I'm going Wilt and Kareem. I'm only naming one. I'm going with Wilt. But there's two. There is two other. Two more? You're, well, there, there's two that have done it. Okay. I'm, so I, I'm not sure. I can only think of Wilt. All right, so the two others that have actually won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year are MJ and Hakeem Olajuwon. Man, oh, did not okay, see I was that wrong. I was jumping on the Jimmy answer train, piggybacked off his answer. <laughs> don't listen to him. Don't jump on my bandwagon in this game. <laughs> <laughs> he specifically rigs these questions. That's why he <laughs> loves this, this segment so much. All right. Dame had 61, as Jenna had mentioned, this past Tuesday night against the Mavericks for his third 60-plus point game of the season. Who is the only other player, there's only been one in NBA history, to have done it at least three times in a season besides Damian Lillard? I just saw this yesterday, too. <laughs> Jimmy, your answer, sir. Um... And it wasn't who I expected it to be. That's why I know I'm not going to get it. <laughs> Let's go Kareem. Can't go wrong with him, right? All right, All right well, going I'm going to take the other guy that you thought for the first answer. I'm going to go with Wilt. All right, so Jenna got Wilt. JT got Kareem. Take a guess at home. Correct answer. Jenna's in the Woo! lead. It is Wilt. 1-0, Jimmy. 1-0, JT. She's a professional. I'm on fire. <laughs> she is. That's why we brought her in. That is why we brought her in. All right, let's go to baseball. Let's go to baseball. All right? These last two recently happened. That's why they're on the list. So we're going to see who is paying attention to sports. Only one baseball team in MLB history hit, has hit four homers in its first five at-bats of a Major League Baseball game. Who was it? Wasn't the Astros, that's for sure. Um, Think back, Jenna, to CBS highlights. Mm, they we, have popped up. We talking recent, aren't we? We're talking recent. Talking recent. I remember this. I JT, think I remember this. You think? I'm just going to say my wrong answer. I'm going to put the Yankees on the table. The Yankees, it is not. Jenna, do you want to take a stab? Let's go with the – I know the game. I don't know which team it was. Okay. What game oh. was it? Tigers versus Pirates? It was. It was against my Pirates. It was the Tigers. Tigers. August 8th. Do I get half August point 8th. or a full point? We'll give, you, we'll give you a full point. Wow. Way just, so, just so you can be up to on me. Up to that's what he wants. That's amazing Jimmy, to pull that. that you one usually off. play that... against yourself. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I do better against myself. I'm getting killed right now. August 8th, 2020, the Detroit Tigers, four homers in their first five at bats of the first inning against my Pirates. So we were on the wrong side of history there. All right, last one involves JT's Marlins. All right, sticking in baseball, you got to get it, JT. Or is Jenna going to sweep you? First Marlins pitcher to make his starting debut by striking out the first three batters in the first inning of his major league debut. Who was it? I'm curious about this one because I feel like 
you are reading this because you like the guy who did it. <laughs> These are recent. Recent? Oh, man. Yeah, watch your Marlins. These are all recent trivia. I like it. I like these questions. Keep you on your toes. Stay up to date. I actually do not know. He calls himself a Marlins fan. I think he used to only go to go to the Cleveland. They're there. That's my All right, opinion. I'm, uh, I'm going to make a guess. World Series. Wait, wait, wait. World Series. Jenna, Jenna knows it. I Jenna, was there. Jenna's going to sweep you here three and a half to zero. Is it? Mejia. Yes, it is. Humberto Mejia. <laughs> JT. Okay. It's Congratulations. Okay. You have officially found your new person that you can play this game with. Jenna, thank you so much. I don't have to do this JT with him. JT out. <laughs> JT out. Wow. <laughs> JT, no, job, step aside. Yes. Great job, Jenna. I didn't even know those. I had to look those up or as they kind of come up in the highlights. So, Jenna, that was that was amazing. Take Clean sweep. <laughs> JT, buy her a trophy, send it to Honestly, her. Honestly, I'll just get like her one of those championship Jimmy, belts and send it to her. Jimmy, I felt like Vanderbilt or Fresno State showing up. I just I thought I was just gonna go to the conference championship. I took the whole national championship home. Thank you. And that's the <laughs> point we were trying to make. Everybody's got a shot in 2020. <laughs> Well, that would mean, JT, you were the favorite and you're everyone's favorite, but not in the guessing trivia game. So, Jenna, to wrap it up, thank you again for coming on. It has been our pleasure. Awesome job. And we would love to have we would love to have you back. We hope you had a great time. We'd love to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to join you guys again. It was a highlight of my night, I would say. Nice. Nice. So thank you. Great show, JT, as always. And thanks again to Jenna for coming on and making it even better show today. And to the fans out there, thank you for listening as always. And remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeart radio app and remember to please if you like what we do please leave us a five-star review and jt if you don't like what we do leave us a five-star review and also please follow us on social media our handle at jt and the don twitter instagram and facebook so once again jt great job it's been a pleasure even working with you jt and so till the next episode see ya Peace. Bye.